Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. Now, we've been doing a series on true and false spiritual warfare teachings, and we're going to focus on the next probably couple of episodes on what we would call dominion theology and in more specifically dominion theology in spiritual warfare. Do you just want to give us a little definition of that? And then we have some great things from article from your article to quote uh, listeners. If you want to pull the article up, it is CIC issue number 48 at the website, CICministry.org. Yes. Uh- there's another version. We've been talking about the Neil Anderson type, and there's other variations of that that are making spiritual warfare something that's important for personal well-being or sanctification or, or what have you, more breaking curses or trying to find causes of things in your life that you don't like. And we've covered a lot of that. Now, there's another version of that that's really grounded in utter heresy, frankly, that is about humans, especially enlightened Christians, taking total dominion over the earth. And so you can call that dominion theology. And it's associated with a number of different groups, but some of it's been around as long as I've been a Christian, which is about 50 years. And I wrote an article about this in 1998. That was one of my last years of seminary. Plus I was a full-time pastor at that time. And it's called The Dishonoring of God in Popular Spiritual Warfare Teaching. And so what this is about is the claim that somehow God isn't in control of his own world. Wow, okay. Okay, and I've got some sh- quotes that I hope are shocking to our listeners, because if they're shocking, then it means you, you understand some things about what the Bible teaches. But some people think this is just the way it is. Wow. And they sell so many books, and some of the most popular teachers teach this, and they fill stadiums or, or arenas, at least, I would say, not stadiums, but arenas, with this teaching of dominion and taking control over the spiritual realm so that God can do what he wants to on the earth because he's depending on us to get it done. Wow. I'm going to read a quote from the beginning of your article because I think it gives a really good um, taste of why this is so bad. So you say in the article, their unbiblical scenario goes like this. God made Adam the ruler of the world. Adam committed treason and turned over the rightful dominion of the earth over to Satan, and Christ's atonement was to regain this lost dominion. According to this theology, however, Christ turned the rulership of the world over to the church when he ascended into heaven. The church consequently lost it back to Satan by ignorance, unbelief, and disunity. Now in these last days, supposed prophets and apostles are being raised up to take control over the satanic forces in the heavenlies and Christianize the world. Right. That's the overview. Wow. 
Okay. There's so much wrong with that. Well, everything's wrong with it, but it's far more popular than the actual gospel is. Yes. As far as how many books are sold. And those books were out there, I know in the 70s, a lot were written. The one of the principal people that is behind this is E.W. Kenyon, and he has his own version of it, but that was back in the 40s, 30s and 40s. Okay. And then Kenneth Hagan took E.W. Kenyon's idea and made it popular. And when I was a brand new Christian in 1971, 72, I was listening to the radio, one of the radio stations here in the Twin Cities when I was in Bible college. Okay. Hagan was on the radio. And back then he actually cited E.W. Kenyon and he talked about Kenyon's Bible studies. And then he uh, actually acknowledged his source and then teach his word of faith idea that God is limited to our words and that if we believe uh, our own words, we'll have the quote, God kind of faith. And that God can be obligated to do our bidding if we have faith in our own words. Wow. And that Satan can um, get control of us if our words are wrong and so on. A lot of people believe that. But uh, I'll just quickly tell a story about how I ultimately rejected that, even though took me longer than it should have. Okay. So I used to listen to that on the radio and I was young and healthy and I thought, great, let's just take power and believe and be healthy and all of this. Well, I got Kenneth Hagin's book sometime in the mid seventies and the book was entitled, I Believe in Visions. Okay. And so I'm reading Hagin's book and it gets to the end of the book and he claimed in the end of that book that he actually had this wake, awake, real vision where he goes up into heaven. And up there, God told him that God wanted to make everybody, every Christian totally wealthy if they'd only have faith and believe his promises. Uh, and then a lot of that was the same thing that he used to tribute to E.W. Kenyon. And ironically, so I read that and I thought, wait, this is wrong. This isn't right. How is it that originally Kenneth Hagin got this from E.W. Kenyon and acknowledged it in his radio broadcast? And now he says he got it directly from God in heaven. Wow. Well, it sounds a little more important when God told you. Well, I started to doubt the credibility of Kenneth Hagin. Right. Because if this was Kenyon, then stick with your claim that he's the one who taught it to you. Don't claim you went to heaven and God told you. Well, then after that, I think I wrote an article at some point about this. It's on our website about okay. visits to heaven. Yes, there is one about that. I think I have that. Well, then seeing the success of Hagen in the 70s, other teachers found out that if you really want to be a man of God in this movement, you better have a visit to heaven or two or multiple ones. Okay. Also, then Jesse Duplantis and uh, others started going to heaven and having these visions. 
that were in this movement. So I, I ditched that. And it took me a while to really find out what was wrong with all of this theology. But I knew that Hagen wasn't credible because he wasn't honest. And then I started right. searching the scriptures and found out what was unbiblical about it. Okay. And, and so over the decades, really, the 80s and in the 90s, I researched this, read the books, found out what was wrong with it. So I wrote this article, The Dishonoring of God in Popular Spiritual Warfare Teaching, in 1998. Now, I had planned on maybe writing about this, but then a book came out where somebody really exposed it so well, I decided that's good enough. I'll, people can get that book. Okay. And that was, uh, it's, I think you can still get it, D.R. McConnell. The book was published in 1988, uh, A Different Gospel. And he explores the roots of the Word of Faith movement. And he didn't do this as someone who wasn't at all willing to listen to anything from anybody charismatic. I think he was at ORU at the time. This was his thesis. Okay. Uh, I can be corrected if I'm wrong about what college he was in. But McConnell did a great job of refuting this. And I thought, good, he refuted it. I quoted it in this article. Good. But it's still there. Yeah, it's still around. And some of the people that you mentioned in this article are still teaching the same things on Christian television every night that Ken Copeland's and I know and different word of faith teachers. I know. And it's so heretical, it's utterly shocking that people will believe that and think it's Christian. But that's what we want to do here. We want to quote these people directly what their claims are, and then compare that to what the Bible teaches. All right. Well, the first issue we need to wrestle with is this idea that Adam gave rulership of the world to Satan. Now, in your article, you've got a quote from Kenneth Copeland. I'll share that, and then we'll discuss that a little bit. Okay. All right. So this is from Kenneth Copeland. God's reason for creating Adam was his desire to reproduce himself. I mean, a reproduction of himself. He, Adam, was not a little like God. He was not almost like God. He was not subordinate to God even. Now, this is hard on the human mind, but I am telling you what the Bible said. Wow. Yeah. So we're not he, even he, subordinate to God? He has so many heresies. I found the original audio tape that I quote this from. Okay. Still with his imprint on it. I still have it. I digitized it. All right. That's, I think I sent that to you at, at one point. I, I, I found it again. So I have the audio tape. And All right. He gave this in 1982. One thing you'll notice about these uh, false teachers, they never ever admit they're ever wrong about anything ever right never they just keep on so you can say well that was 1982 kenneth copeland isn't teaching anything different now i have that audio and he says things in there that are just utterly outrageous that yeah. god 
is exactly like us and he lives on another planet somewhere. That's on that team. Uh, but here he's saying uh, Adam is like God. He has all the authority of God. But there's a big difference between being an image bearer of God and being exactly like God. Right. So it has, really has more, uh, this doctrine of his, more in common with Mormonism than biblical Christianity. In some it way. sure it, does. It's really wicked. It's it's so wicked. So why do people listen to it? I guess that's what they want to hear. Let me quote. Yeah, that was a good quote. And here's another one I have in the article. And this one's from Earl Polk, who was a pastor, a charismatic pastor in Georgia. I think he ended up being discredited at some point, some kind of scandal. But his books are floating around out there. So here's Earl Polk. Quote, the only place under God's dominion at the time was the garden given to Adam and Eve. Spears still controlled the earth, but God told Adam and Eve to subdue them. That was Earl Polk's version. So where do you happen to know where they even claim the Bible says this? He just says these things. See, these people gain status on the grounds that they have a lot of followers and they make these grandiose claims. And once they yeah. have the status, nobody looks at footnotes or sees if they actually said these things or whether the Bible says it. They don't believe in discernment. And when we first started questioning this back in the 80s, I was told by many people that I was a wicked sinner because I was touching God's anointed. Do not touch God's anointed. Right. And so these uh, pastors and preachers and teachers and prophets, whoever they were, they were God's anointed. Well, how do you know that? Well, look at them. Look at all the people. Look at look at the look at what they've got, and look at little you. Okay. So they're yeah. God's anointed. Don't touch them. And so. It was almost shocking when someone came along. In fact, it was Dave Hunt, 1986, and said, well, you really ought to be Bereans and search the scripture and see if these things are true. That's right. And when that happened, and we had him come and speak, by the way, I think it was 84 when he wrote the book. We had him speak at a church I was part of in 86. We were, we were considered pariahs. Yeah. Uh, the charismatic movement in the Twin Cities basically disowned us. That's true. Uh, a, a dear brother at our church gave me the conference audio from 1986 a while back, and I have it digitized, and I'm working on getting it cleaned up, and at some point we may have that available. Well, Kind of a long process, but the, the material, even though it's from 1986, most of it is just as applicable today as when he first taught at the right. church. The book that, that he was speaking about was called The Seduction of Christianity. Yeah. Well, I was in the charismatic in the 70s and then during the 80s switched over to being a Bible teacher. But I still, you know, I used to be a speaker that would be called to go here and there and speak. And so okay. I had to file taxes for honoraria. Well, once we had Dave Hunt, that went to zero. Oh, no. That was the end. We don't want you. You are no good. You brought a, a harmful person 
who just who divided the church because in their scheme unity is more important than truth yes okay so if, if we don't ever become unified we'll never get this dominion mm-hmm. well so that's kind of my story and then 88 mcconnell came out with a book that really refuted this very nicely and they couldn't say well he's just one of these anti-charismatics because he was part of the movement and saw what was wrong with it. I yeah. had been. I saw what was wrong with it. But it continues on. They don't even care. That's Literally, right. they don't care what the Bible says. But I want to stop for a second and, and talk about this touch not the Lord's anointed. Okay. Because that's still the same response that you get yeah. today. Really? They, the response hasn't even changed. And so I just want to, I think we need to think through that biblically too. In the Bible, it was David who said, I'll touch not the Lord's anointed. He wasn't referring to a priest or a prophet or, you know, he was referring to an earthly king. That was about Saul. Yeah. An anointed person. I Somewhere I have an article about that called the anointing and the Christian, but uh, I wrote about that. See, we started Critical Issues Commentary because I wanted to get material out there to deal with all this. Okay. Started it in 1992. But, yes, in the Old Covenant, there were special anointed persons in Israel. They were anointed by God. Literally, they'd pour oil over their head. Okay, so they were literally anointed. Yeah, and they were the ones set aside for the role. Okay. And because God had anointed them, they may have been problems with them, but they had the role. So you're not to question who God put in charge of Israel. Okay. All right. And then fast forward to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they, they predicted a coming one who would be the ultimate anointed one, which would be the Christ. Okay. So God's anointed is Christ. That's right. Okay. And he's the one now that they look forward to. So Christ comes. He's God's anointed. Now, as far as having an anointing, the Bible in the New Testament says you all have an anointing from the Holy One. Wow. So all Christians are anointed by the Spirit. Okay. Christ is the unique anointed one. That's He's right. The king. Furthermore, all Christians are part of the priesthood, the priesthood of every believer. But Christ alone is the high priest. Right. Okay. Okay. So Christ is the one that we look to. Now, these teachers who claim to have some special anointing that ordinary Christians don't have are false teachers just for making that claim. That's right. And, okay. and therefore, they aren't anointed, not, not even in the way. Yeah, if they were really a Christian, they'd have the fear of God and wouldn't even want that title. Right. But they love it. They just love the status and the accolades and the praises of people or whatever, whatever causes them to do that. But if somebody said, well, you're God's anointed, well, so are you if you're a born of God. Every Christian has been anointed by the Holy Spirit. So I wrote an article somewhere. You can look it up, you know, searching our website, cicministry.org. 
And so that was what was tossed out there. And so here's this intimidation. These people claim they've been to heaven. They claim that they have great faith. They believe they claim they could do greater miracles than Jesus. They claim that God set them apart to do some great thing that us ordinary Christians could never hope to do. And then if you question anything they teach from scripture, they say, touch not God's anointed. That's right. Or they say, that, you're that's dividing exactly the body. That's exactly what they say every time. Right. You're, you're dividing the body of Christ. Why are you doing this? So in order to find unity, we have to embrace every false teaching, every lie, every error, every crazy claim, and just go along with it so we'll have unity. Right. And that's a false unity. Our true unity is in Christ and in biblical truth. It's supposed <laughs> to be the unity of the faith. Yes. And I looked that up back in those days and uh, the truth, the faith, what's that all about? Is Christ is the truth. The truth is the gospel and the faith is the faith once we're all handed down to the saints and it's doctrine. Yeah. But in those days, I don't know if it's still true, but in those days, there was this idea that if you taught doctrine, you would grieve the spirit. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that's really bad. But here's, here's how that went. I even heard a little saying to scare people away because we started doing biblical exit Jesus. Okay. And so some of these uh, charismatics were saying exit Jesus means exit Jesus. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Jesus doesn't want you studying the Bible or being a Berean to find out what's true. Except for the part where Jesus said, go and make disciples, teaching them all the things that I taught you. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really absurd. But frankly, the numbers of followers that the people have that teach these things is shocking. Yeah. But there's certain, we introduced an idea here uh, in this article. We're in the middle column if you print the PDF of issue 48, uh, the dishonoring of God in popular spiritual warfare teaching. We were talking about Adam uh, having given, been given dominion over the earth, and then there's okay. about subdued the spirits. And so I said this, a consistent theme of the dominion spiritual warfare theology is that God's sphere of rulership is limited. And here's what they say or what I'm uh, claiming their implication is. Here's what I'm claiming. It is as if delegating authority is the same as losing it. That's, so, you know, that's a good point. That really is what they're saying. Right. So God delegated it to, to you. And now if you misuse it, he has to stand by and watch. There's not a thing he can do because he gave it up. Wow. That's part of this whole thing. Now, I'm quoting another person along that line, and that's Ed Silvoso. Okay. Okay. And here's what he wrote. I, wrote, I quoted this in 1998. Ed Silvoso, quote, because Adam, he says, God's deputy on earth, transferred his legal dominion to Satan, God became obligated to recognize Satan's legal standing in spite of the fraudulent way in which it was obtained, 
unquote. So God didn't delegate authority. He transferred it. Now he doesn't have it. Wow. So okay. if, if that's true, then God really isn't God because any God that doesn't have control over his own creation is no God at all. Yeah. And I actually have written about that too, that they literally have a different Christ, different gospel and literally a different God. Yeah. They have a God is not the one described in the Bible. And before we're done with this particular session, I want to point out that at the beginning of my article, I quote a bunch of verses that if you just believe them, would show that everything these people say is false. Yeah. Okay, so one of the ones, the first one I began the article with, Psalm 103, verse 19, says this, quote, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Yeah. Okay, and then I quote Acts 17, God uh, determines the appointed times and boundaries of the nations. And so the Bible, and there's many, many places, and throughout this article, I quote different verses that make what they say impossible and absurd. So yeah. why do they get by with it? Let's, have, let's see if we can tease out a few uh, issues to think about. Why do they get by with this? You just have a cursory reading of the Bible. It's clear that it claims that God has total authority over his own universe. Right. There's Romans it, 11, what is it, 36, for from him and to him and through him are all things. Well, then, well, yeah, in him all things hold together, it says in Colossians. And yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's Hebrews. all throughout Scripture. It's everywhere. But they, but they assume, and see, the people that are in this movement, they just hang on these guys' words and their books. Okay. Some of them just don't go to church. Sadly, I've known people that really have never gone to church that much because they just listen to these teachers. Right. And no, no pastor anywhere seems to have it all right. Although here in the Twin Cities, there are some big churches that are right in line. They actually have Kenneth Copeland. They've had him come and teach. Wow. And so they don't care about the heresy part of it. Mm -hmm. So just think about this. Uh, God transferred his authority? Is that what the Bible says? No. No. In fact, after he gave Adam authority in the garden, and he had proved his authority, but he gave him the task of naming the animals, and their Hebrew way of thinking to be able to name something is to have authority over it. Okay. He had authority, he named the animals. He had responsibility to tell and keep the garden. He was given Eve from the rib bone. God made Eve. But at the fall, he was thrown out of the garden. Right. Well, so how could God throw Adam out of the garden if God now lost authority because only Satan had it? That's a good point. That It wouldn't be possible. Yeah, and so what did... Let's just, as we come to the close here, let me quote Kenneth Copeland on the same thing that Ed Silvosa, similar idea. Kenneth Copeland described the situation after, after Adam, and here's how he says it. Copeland, 
Adam committed high treason, used that authority and delivered it into the hands of an alien spirit, unquote, Kenneth Copeland. Then he says, and then I'm going to comment. This is the result, according to Copeland. Quote, Copeland again. Now God literally, says Copeland, was on the outside looking in. Oh, poor God. He got kicked out of his own universe. I, it's, it's stunning. Yeah. And then here's another statement by Copeland. We, I have that audio, by the way. Okay. So I can prove that he's taught all these things. Yeah. Quote, after Adam had given it away, God didn't have any more authority here. Oh, wow. So God has no authority over his own creation. Which and is Adam just the opposite of faith. those verses we just read. Well, that's why I started my article with these verses. Yeah. There's no, there's no way, there's any way that this is biblical. No. At least the Mormons made their Book of Mormon and came up with something else. But right. this is so bad. It's so absurd. It's, it's so utterly wicked. How can you say that the creator of the universe has no authority and he's on the outside looking in and uh, Satan is in charge of the world? Wow. And so that is just we're wicked. out of time here, but next week we'll, we'll start in and show how they describe the situation. And then Jesus has to come and somehow wrestle that authority back from Satan, according to this uh, warfare worldview as taught by this particular bunch, Kenneth Copeland, Ed Silvoso. Uh, I don't think Polk is still uh, around and I think he was discredited, um, but there are many others. There are many others, Jesse Duplantis and people in that whole word of faith realm. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. We want to remind you that you can access this program and years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. And while you're there, we would love to hear from you. Click on contact and you can, if you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you and answer them. So you can find us and find out how to contact us at the website, cicministry.org. And we want to remind you to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus. And Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week. <laughs>